1: Welcome to The Drabblecast, episode 384. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. H.P. Lovecraft, the grandfather of weird fiction. As a fiction zine and podcast that eschews genres and labeling, preferring instead the broader, self-invented genre of weird and awesome shit, we do this month-long special once a year to honor our sullen and pallid homie of the late 19th century, to pay tribute to the mythos he helped inspire, and to have fun saying the ridiculous and convoluted stupid-ass words he surely must have pulled out of a butt from another dimension. We at the Drabblecast have some of the same interests as old Hewlett Packard. We think tentacles are cool and wish more things in the world had them just, you know, sticking off of them. We were never all that great at math, so we just call things non-Euclidean and walk away. And we like horror, specifically the kind that blows your mind as much as it haunts it afterwards. We also have some stuff not so in common with Lovecraft. We're not racist, for example, although some runners can be just the worst, can't they? And we tend to like to get to the point a little quicker than Lovecraft was sometimes inclined. We get it, bro. The moon was effing gibbous and some shit over there was charnel. We're a short fiction podcast named after hundred word stories. Get to the money shot with flying fungus aliens eating a dog. This is our fifth annual H.P. Lovecraft Month here on the show. And as usual, we've commissioned three great original mythos-inspired stories from three awesome authors. This month, you'll be treated to stories by writers Rachel K. Jones, Jeremiah Tolbert, and Hooting Yard's Frank Key. I know, right? I'm as excited as you are. That all starts next week, though. This week, as per tradition, we bring you a story by old H.P. himself. But first, let's get warmed up with a hundred-word drabble. Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words, no more, no less. A wonderful exercise in brevity and high-impact, low-commitment writing. Try writing one yourself. Post it in our discussion forums at forums.drabblecast.org in the Drabble section. We might pick yours and run it on the show next week. Our 100-word story this week comes from one of our featured authors this month, Rachel K. Jones, and it's called The Last Temptation of Ginger. Here goes. On the rooftop, Satan sighed. By contract, he had to do this with anyone claiming godhood, but this was getting ridiculous. If you're god, throw yourself from the rooftop. The feline washed her paws. You gotta pick one. Either jump or refuse, Satan explained. Ginger ignored him. She never followed directions. Satan glanced surreptitiously at the sky, then produced a laser pointer. Ginger leapt after the red dot. She plummeted 20 stories down. Satan chuckled. Works every time. But behind him, he heard a sound. A meow. He turned. His eyes widened. Oh my God. And that leads us to our story this week, The Cats of Ulthar. This is a shorter story for Lovecraft, and definitely not his usual kind of thing, and that's exactly why we thought we'd share it with you. You know, change things up a little. Besides, who doesn't love cats? Aside from the people in the story. And maybe some of you folks out, probably some of you folks. Anyways, this story was written in 1920 and first appeared in the literary journal Tryout. So without further ado, we bring you The Cats of Ulthar, by H.P. Lovecraft. It is said that in Ulthar, Which lies beyond the river sky, no man may kill a cat. And this I can verily believe, as I gaze upon him who sitteth purring before the fire. For the cat is cryptic and close to strange things which men cannot see. He is the soul of antique Egyptus, and bearer of tales from forgotten cities in Moreau and Ophir. He is the kin of the jungle's lords, and heir to the secrets of hoary and sinister Africa. The Sphinx is his cousin, and he speaks her language, but he is more ancient than the Sphinx, and remembers that which she hath forgotten. In Ulthar, before ever the Burgesses forbade the killing of cats, there dwelt an old cotter and his wife, who delighted to trap and slay the cats of their neighbors. Why they did this, I know not, save that many hate the voice of the cat in the night, and take it ill that cats should run stealthily about yards and gardens at twilight. But, whatever the reason, this old man and woman took pleasure in trapping and slaying every cat which came near to their hovel, and from some of the sounds heard after dark, many villagers fancied that the manner of slaying was exceedingly peculiar." But the villagers did not discuss such things with the old man and his wife, because of the habitual expression on their withered faces, and because their cottage was so small and so darkly hidden under spreading oaks at the back of a neglected yard." In truth, much as the owners of cats hated these odd folk, they feared them more, and instead of berating them as brutal assassins, merely took care that no cherished pet or mouser should stray to the remote hovel under the dark trees. When through some unavoidable oversight a cat was missed, and sounds heard after dark, the loser would lament impotently, or console himself by thanking fate that it was not one of his children who had thus vanished. For the people of Ulthar were simple, and knew not whence it is all cats first came. One day, a caravan of strange wanderers from the south entered the narrow cobbled streets of Ulthar. Dark wanderers they were, and unlike the other roving folk who passed through the village twice every year. "'In the marketplace they told fortunes for silver "'and bought gay beads from the merchants. "'What was the land of these wanderers? "'None could tell, but it was seen "'that they were given to strange prayers "'and that they painted on the sides of their wagons "'strange figures with human bodies "'and the heads of cats, the heads of hawks, rams, and lions. "'And the leader of the caravan wore a headdress "'with two horns and a curious disc betwixt the horns.' There was, in this singular caravan, a little boy with no father or mother, but only a tiny black kitten to cherish. The plague had not been kind to him, yet had left him this small furry thing to mitigate his sorrow, and when one is very young, one can find great relief in the lively antics of a black kitten." So the boy, whom the dark people called Mines, smiled more often than he wept as he sate playing with his graceful kitten on the steps of an oddly painted wagon. On the third morning of the wanderer's stay in Ulthar, Menes could not find his kitten, and as he sobbed aloud in the marketplace, certain villagers told him of the old man and his wife, and of the sounds they heard in the night. And when he heard these things, his sobbing gave place to meditation and finally to prayer. He stretched out his arms toward the sun and prayed in a tongue no villager could understand, though indeed the villagers did not try very hard to understand, since their attention was mostly taken up to the sky, the odd shapes the clouds were assuming." It was very peculiar, but as the little boy uttered his petition, there seemed to form overhead the shadowy, nebulous figures of exotic things, of hybrid creatures crowned with horn-flanked discs. Nature is full of such illusions to impress the imaginative. That night, the wanderers left Othar and were never seen again, and the householders were troubled when they noticed that, in all the village, there was not a cat to be found." "'From each hearth the family cat had vanished, "'cats large and small, black, grey, striped, yellow and white. "'Old Crannan, the burgomaster, swore that the dark folk had taken the cats away "'in revenge for the killing of Maness's kitten, "'and cursed the caravan and the little boy. "'But Nith, the lean notary, declared that the old cotter and his wife "'were more likely persons to suspect, "'for their hatred of cats was notorious and increasingly bold.' Still, no one durst complain to the sinister couple, even when little at all, the innkeeper's son, vowed that he had at twilight seen all the cats of Ulthar in that accursed yard, under the trees, pacing very slowly and solemnly in a circle around the cottage, two abreast, as if in performance of some unheard-of rite of beast's. The villagers did not know how much to believe from so small a boy, and though they feared that the evil pair had charmed the cats to their death, they preferred not to chide the old cotter till they met him outside his dark and repellent yard. So Ulthar went to sleep in vain anger, and when the people awakened at dawn, behold, every cat was back at his accustomed hearth. Large and small black grey striped yellow and white none was missing very sleek and fat did the cats appear and sonorous with purring content the citizens talked with one another of the affair and marvelled not a little Old Crannan again insisted that it was the dark folk who had taken them, since cats did not return alive from the cottage of the ancient man and his wife. But all agreed on one thing, that the refusal of all the cats to eat their portions of meat or drink their saucers of milk was exceedingly curious. And for two whole days the sleek, lazy cats of Ulthar would touch no food, but only doze by the fire or in the sun." It was fully a week before the villagers noticed that no lights were appearing at dusk in the windows of the cottage under the trees. Then the lean Nith remarked that no one had seen the old man or his wife since the night the cats were away. In another week, the burgomaster decided to overcome his fears and call at the strangely silent dwelling as a matter of duty, though in no so doing was careful to take with him Shang, the blacksmith, and Thul, the cutter of stone, as witnesses. And when they had broken down the frail door, they found only this—two cleanly picked human skeletons on the earthen floor, and a number of singular beetles crawling in the shadowy corners. There was subsequently much talk among the burgesses of Ulthar Zath the coroner disputed at length with Nith the lean notary and Cranon and Shang and Thul were overwhelmed with questions, even little Atal, the innkeeper's son was closely questioned and given a sweetmeat as a reward. They talked of the old Cotter and his wife of the caravan of dark wanderers of small Maness and his black kitten of the prayer of Maness— And of the sky during that prayer, of the doings of the cats on the night the caravan left, and of what was later found in the cottage under the dark trees in the repellent yard. And in the end, the Burgesses passed that remarkable law which is told of by traders in Hatheg and discussed by travelers in Nir, namely, that in Ulthar no man may kill a cat And that was our story. Hope you enjoyed. Tune in next week for an original commissioned story by Rachel K. Jones called The Innsmith of the South. You're going to love it. Alrighty, you folks know how we close this show out with our 100 character story contest winner. You, of course, know that we have a weekly contest in our discussion forums at forums.dravelcast.org in the Twabble section where we pick a winner and post it out on our Twitter feed at The Travelcast. This week's winner is Great Northern Troll, and his twabble story goes as thus. Cat prepared to pounce, a lightning move and its teeth closed around a sinuous neck. Then, pain erupted from its tail. Great stuff. 100 characters, not counting spaces, give it a shot. You might be next week's winner. Follow the TravelCast on Twitter, at the Treblecast. All right, folks, that's our show this week. Remember, The Travelcast is brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No-Derivatives License, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. How are we able to do that, you might ask? Through the generous support of listeners such as yourself. Consider donating to The Travelcast by going to our website, www.dravelcast.org and clicking the donation button. We pay our authors professional rates, and we proudly do so with your support. Also, we have a premium podcast feed called Drabblecast B-Sides for our $10 a month automatic subscribers. It's got extra stories, extra cool stuff. You want to check it out, and it helps support the Drabblecast. Go to Drabblecast.org and sign up as an automatic $10 a month subscriber. It's a piece of cake, and you'll get a password and username and access to some more Drabble. Our program this week was brought to you by Chief Editor Nathan Lee, our art director, Bo Kier, who also did our art this week for the episode. Check him out at BoKire.com. Crazy talented dude. With additional help from Tom Baker, David Carvin, and David Steffen. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, this is Norm Sherman reminding you, one can find great relief in the lively antics of a black kitten. <laughs>